Number six, we're going to look at two verses this morning as we talk about this third seal that's going to be opened up. And uh, it's chapter number six, and we're going to be looking at verse number five. It says, and when he had opened the third seal, he says, I heard the beast say, come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we come to you this morning, again, Lord, always seeking you and always asking you for your wisdom, your discernment, Lord, for your understanding. Lord, we need the Spirit of God to teach us these things. There's no person, Lord, there's no man or woman that could teach us these things other than the person of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we ask you that you would help us to understand the uh, intensity, Lord, the, uh, the severity of what's going on here, Lord, that you would help us to see uh, the sincerity of understanding. We need to have him today, that grace is today, and we need Jesus today to come now, let us reason together. God, I ask you that you would just help us today, Lord, and that you would just speak, Lord, through through the messenger. Lord, let it be a megaphone. Lord, let, let it not be my words, but let me be a megaphone. Lord, let me just be a microphone for you to speak to our hearts, Lord, because only you can do that. God, there's no, no way that we could ever take a broken heart and make it over again. We could not take a black heart that's full of sin and make it white as snow, but only you can do that, Lord. So I ask you today, God, to do only what you can do, for it's in your power, Lord. It's in your drawing and in your calling. Lord, the church is just simply here to say, come, come to Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask it all together. Amen. You can be seated. The church this morning, going to kind of recap just a little bit, not, not, not a whole lot. If it's all right with you, since we're breaking record heat, I thought it would be all right if I could take my jacket off today. And uh, um, if, if that's not okay, I'll give you my shirt when I'm done and uh, let you wash it and let you feel it. But uh, I, I want you to think back to Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through verse 4. Uh, these last two Sundays, we've actually only been able to cover just two verses and uh, trying to do that and wrapping those things up in about four. 45 minutes is difficult sometimes, even just two verses. But I really want you to understand it. I know it's been intense listening to these things. We talked about the white horse that came in. You remember the white horse was the one that as the rider of the white horse came in, he had a crown on. It was not a crown, a diadem, or a crown that was given to a king that is an everlasting crown, but it was a, the Bible records it as a, a Stephanos crown that was actually an earthly crown. It was uh, like as though he had been a victor, like he's won some kind of battle. And he comes in with a bow in his hand. It doesn't talk anything about the arrows. And he comes in as though he's this great conqueror. He's this great person, a great man of valor, a warrior, so to say. And then as he does, he offers peace to everyone. He's trying to bring all of this peace, but it's a false peace because the Bible says that it's going to be broken. And then we read in the uh, next few verses there, verses 3 and 4, about the red horse and the fiery red and blood red. But as it comes in, he actually shows a little bit more of his satanic character. Remember, this is the Antichrist that comes in offering peace. Then he shows his satanic character that comes out, you know, and he's talking about the red horse. And you remember last Sunday, we talked about this red horse, that it was the horse of destruction, that it was the war horse, so to say. And he, he now is wanting, saying peace with the wild horse, but now he comes out and he goes, hey, no, and he shows his teeth, so to say. It's like David said in Psalms 55, he says, uh, he said, their words were smoother than butter, but war was in their heart. Their, their front teeth were like knives and their back teeth were like swords. And basically they were telling you these things to lift you up, but then the real character was going to come out in the end. And so here he comes now in that fire 
fiery red horse, and he's bringing war. He's bringing destruction across the whole earth. The Bible says that he's actually not going to be killing people, but if you remember the scripture, it says he's going to be causing others to kill one another. He's going to bring in this kind of attitude where you remove the Holy Spirit of God, you remove the church of God that's constantly doing what? We're not the ones keeping things together. Let's, let's go ahead and say that right now. It's not in our power to keep things together, but because the church is here, there are prayers that are being offered up every single day, sometimes multiple times times a day, hours upon hours and minutes upon minutes. And that is what? Lord, please save my son. Please save my daughter, my mother, my father. Please save my friends. Listen, Lord, please forgive us of our sins. Please forgive the United States. Please forgive the world. Please help us. We send missionaries over and over in the churches there all the time, giving to the work of God and the kingdom work of God. And we're praying, but when the church is gone and it is ejected out of here, amen, and it's taken out of here and Satan comes in, and is allowed to get his plan or demise to come in, then you got to understand war is going to be in such a way that has never been before. It's going to be horrible. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that it's going to be a day on the earth such as never was since the beginning of the earth. Church, that's horrible to think about. I know that that really brings a lot of just doom and gloom and damper and all those things. And you're being told by society and even by yourself and by your mama. Your mama's telling you these things also. That everything's good and everything's going to be fine. And everything's going to pan out and everything's going to happen. And, and you just got to think goody-goody gumdrops and like sweet gum trees and all that stuff. But the world is not getting any better. You know, and I know that you understand this. You have mirrors, don't you? You're, you're not getting younger. You're not getting any better. Now, I know that guys tend to think a lot of times that they're getting better and they're getting stronger. We are actually headed toward death. Every single day, we are getting weaker every single day. We are not getting better. We are actually being destroyed second by second, moment by moment, and our lives will be ending someday. And science even proves all of those things too. It's not that we are getting into this more perfect creation, but actually we started out in perfection and we are decaying. And I hate to use that word, decay, but it is. That's what's happening to us, right? You start out and you have this set of teeth. They fall out and you get a new set of teeth. They fall out and you get a new set of teeth, right? You leave those at home sometimes. <laughs> But then the Bible now says that this next horse that comes in is a black horse. And you look at this horse, and although the picture here depicts a horse that may be stronger and all that, it's not. It's actually a weak. It's going to be a skinny. You'll be able to see the ribs and all of these things in the picture of its characteristics and how it's going to use the illustration. But he's going to bring in something that is actually a result. And if you think about this, church, if you look so far, this white horse that offers this false peace and comes in and tries to get government and church and blends it all together, takes all the religions that are of the world and left because church is gone, takes all the religions and puts it in a blender and purees it, pulses it over and over and makes everybody drink of that same cup. And we got one world government, we got one church system, we got all of these things which does what in turn? It actually gives power to the one that did that. But then when he shows his ugly face, it's like the white horse leads in to that red horse. And now we're looking at this red horse of war and destruction, and it leads in to this black horse of famine. This black horse is not the horse of death. 
Actually, next Sunday we'll be talking about that pale horse, the horse of death, and hell will follow it. This Sunday we're talking about this black horse, and it is the horse of famine. It is the horse of pestilence. It is actually, it's actually going to be portraying, listen, when that false peace tries to advertise itself, and then he shows himself as war and destruction, and he brings death and destruction upon by allowing people to kill one another, then famine will set in. Because of wars, churches, listen, because of war has set in, because wars actually happen, you know that lands are blown apart, people are killed, uh, industries suffer, uh, government suffers and goes down, and people will enter in many times in famine after wars have happened. Listen, famine is something that if you look around in this church, not very many people have ever even suffered famine here. You look around, everyone's blessed here, and we ought to be thankful for that, but the days are upon us. The days are upon us that if this happens and you're left here, you will suffer a famine such as never was before. You know, I, I, got, I love to talk to people, especially older people. I've always been what you call old soul. I like to hang out with older people. And the reason I guess I've been that way is because when I got saved, I got saved at like 17, 18 years old. And so I couldn't hang around with a lot of the friends that I was friends with because they were still doing sinful things. And so uh, the only people who took me in, I was a preacher called to preach. The only people that wanted to hang out with me was old people. Okay. So I started hanging out with old people and I still hang out with people like Carl and my dad. <laughs> but... Uh, an old soul just and, and I love to hear from people I, I've talked with I hated history in high school but I've talked with people that were actually in Pearl Harbor that were there in the harbor at 24 years old I, I can sit there and I could listen to their stories just all day long as they're describing it and they I, I've talked with uh, some church members there are with the Lord now it's uh it's hard to talk about some of them because I love them and I'll see them again someday but talk with him about the first time he ever saw a car pull up and uh, how they allowed him to get in that thing. He said him and his cousin was playing in that thing and over here on Smith Mill Road and said he knocked it out of gear and that thing rolled all the way down the hill and hit the hay barrel and all that stuff and messed the car up. And I was like, that probably would happen to me if I saw the car for the first time too, because I've done that before. And, uh, but listening to people, I, I talked with one guy who uh, actually, they, his parents went through the depression times. Talked about how they, when they, when they came up, how um, they, they had rabbits. And that that's how they actually survived. And I want you to understand something. If you need meat during a depression time, rabbit would be the right way to go. Uh, they multiply fast, right? They, they, they have babies. And he said that we would take the rabbit meat and we would trade out for crops and other things. And so I've always thought if we ever go into a depression again, I, I'm going to get rabbits and grow them at Craig and Casey's house, you know. And, and I'll, we'll have meat, you know, and uh, we'll have something to eat. But we, but famine would be in such a way, I can't imagine coming home and not having enough money to purchase things to put into the cupboard. I can't imagine working a whole day and only receiving a certain amount of wage from the government that we would be underneath and going, I don't have enough to feed Andrew and Jacob and Patty. I only barely have enough to feed myself. And what will we do? You know, church, you really need to set your mind into this this morning. Visitors, you need to understand something, that when the Scriptures talk about this, this is going to happen as sure as the sun came up today. This will happen. We don't know exactly when these things are going to happen, but the Bible tells us that when we see the, the fig tree and its branch getting tender, you know that summer is not, and it says that you know the day is near, even at the door, is what he says in Matthew chapter 24. Listen, I'm just going to talk about a few things this morning, and the first one 
I don't know why I'm there. there. The first one this morning is talking. It went all the way back to the beginning, Brother Britt. I got it. We got this thing. We got it working out. But uh, the first one is, is that the judgment that this black horse brings. God's going to have such judgment, church, that number one, it's going to be diabolically unbelievable. Now, we're going to try to give you these words so that you remember them. These are not fancy words, but just so that you remember them. But it is actually going to be diabolically unbelievable. The word diabolical, you know, I know what you think of. When I think about the word diabolical or using that word, I think about Adam West and his good friend Burt Ward back in the old days of Batman and how it was a, a you know diabolical plan of the Joker and bam, pow, wow, zoink, you know what I mean? Some of you kids are looking at your teenagers like, what are they talking about? Brother Steve is on medication this morning. No, I'm not. I think about those old days because those were the words that were used. And, and when you would hear them talk about the diabolical plan, understand that all this actually means, when we translate it, it means a devilish plan. It's an absolute devilish plan. This is not a plan of the Lord. This is the devil's plan. I've tried to tell you and warn you for the last two Sundays and even this morning that God now in the days of grace and mercy... Listen, and long-suffering is holding back the things that want to devour you. I've tried to paint a picture of mad dogs behind cages or behind the Lord's arms, and he is trying to warn you of the destruction that is coming, and he is holding these things back. Now, the world wants to convince you that it's actually God that wants to do all these things to you, but the Word of God is all we have to go by, and the Word of God, Brother Joe, says that he is not willing that one person would perish, but that all people would come to repentance. This is not God saying, ha, 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 they're finally going to get what's coming to them. This is God saying, I have warned you and warned you and warned you and warned you and sent messengers, sent prophets, I've sent preachers, I've sent evangelists, I've sent pastors, and you are not listening. And I'm trying to warn you of the judgment that is going to come. And he's trying to tell you something, and he's holding it back. But when this uh, black horse comes out, It is going to be a devilish plan. Satan hates you. He despises everything about you. He, as God knows every hair on your head, Satan wants to singe every hair on your head. As God takes care of the sparrows and he takes care of the lilies of the field and he knows how much more to take care of you, Satan on the opposite end of that has that much hatred towards you. Satan does not love you. Satan has sent all kinds of things to blind you. He has sent witchcraft. And people go, witchcraft, brother. See, that's not really a big thing anymore. The word witchcraft in the Bible is the word pharmaceutical. It actually means pharmacy. Listen, drugs after drugs after drugs that are killing people and taking them their lives away and taking them to hell. Satan hates you. That drug dealer that says, oh, this will be good for you. You can forget all your thoughts. No, 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 no. He hates you, and he wants nothing more than this for you. Listen, he wants your destruction. Not only does he want your destruction, he wants to demolish you. You know that when they actually delivered Jesus up on the cross of Calvary, when they delivered him up for death, did you know that they were actually wanting, the intent of it all was that they said they wanted to destroy him. Those words are... Big, deep words. Destroy. Now, you look at your friends that are sitting by you, maybe a brother or sister. You maybe have wanted, now, before you get all like holy and super spiritual, you may have wanted to punch them before. Anybody in here ever wanted to punch their brother? 
Anybody ever wanted to do that to your sister, but you couldn't do it because dad said you can't hit a girl, you know, but your sister just whopped you upside the head. You know what I'm talking about? You may have wanted to do that, but never, hopefully, hopefully none of you have ever wanted to destroy them, to take everything and destroy them. And when it means to destroy them, listen, church, that doesn't mean just to kill them. That means to take everything they love and allow it to be destroyed in front of them in order to do what? They wanted to destroy it. When they spit on Jesus, that was to do what? Was to break his spirit. When they put a crown on him and they beat him and beat him, then put a crown on him and put a robe upon him, that was, not, that was to destroy his spirit. That was to destroy him on the inside. It was to humiliate him. Church, they wanted him not just dead, they wanted him to suffer even way before they killed him. Actually, going ahead and killing him would have been easier. The Bible even teaches us that they hurled insults at Jesus. They called him things and said things about him that it was like hurling rocks at him, inflicting him over and over. And people say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. There's some people probably even in this church this morning that's still holding on to some hurts in their life because of words and not because of what somebody's done to them. This plan is a diabolical plan, and it is absolutely unbelievable, church. The Bible says in verse number five, it says, and when he opened the third seal, he said, I heard the beast say, or the third beast say, talking about the living creature, that angel before the throne says, come. He says, and beheld, and he says, and I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Listen, this attack that's coming out, look at what's going on. This famine that's coming in, this horse that comes in, it says he has a pair of balances, a pair of scales, like old-fashioned scales in his hands where you would put one thing on this side and it would tip the balance of the other or put it on this side and it would tip the balance. Basically what he's doing, he's coming in. It's a diabolical and unbelievable plan, but it is a plan. Church, Satan is not coming at this as though to say, as we say in the South today, just kind of half-brained. No, he's got a plan. He's devised a plan, church. Satan cannot come up with anything on his own. He is not a creator. He's a counterfeiter. Did you know that? Satan cannot create life. He can't bring life to anything. No, he is not a creator. God is creator. Satan is a counterfeit. And everything that God created, God created in order. God called out of chaos order. He created the first day, the second day, the third day, all the way through. He created all of us. Listen, the Bible says that he formed man out of the dust of the earth, created the vessels, the sinews, everything, and breathed into him the breath of life. God actually has wonderful order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34 actually says this. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. The Bible says God has great order. In order for Satan to try to deceive people by being the white horse, the red horse, this black horse, he's also going to counterfeit order. He's going to take God's wonderful plan that he's laid out for salvation and he's going to twist it, Brother William, in such a pattern and just one small tweak in one way in order to listen, not bring people to salvation, but to bring people to destruction. And he has a diabolical, devilish plan that's unbelievable. You would think, just come in and destroy everything, but that's not what he wants to do. The lion doesn't, Brother Matt, run out and get the front of the herd. No, the one that's malnourished and falling behind. He has a plan. He has a plan because he has not used much energy in order to do that. This rider is going to control, the Bible teaches us this, and later we'll get into it. He's going to control the food supply, and he's going to be a dictator of who gets it or not. He has a pair of scales, balances in his hand. 
And he's going to have such control over the things of this earth. You say, Brother Steve, why would Satan want control over all these things? Let's go back to Genesis and understand for a moment that the Bible says that God created all these wonderful things. Sister Angie, the Bible says that God created the Garden of Eden. There was peace there, such as never been on the earth, but will happen someday again. All of these things are done. But the Bible says that God gave Adam dominion over these things. He gave him authority and power. He basically gave the deed all to Adam, created all this stuff and gave it to Adam. Now, wouldn't you like to have that? Amen. And the Bible says that while Jesus was on the earth, that he was driven by the spirit into the wilderness and Satan found himself over there. And as Jesus was becoming stronger in the spirit, Satan showed up to do what? To try to bring him down. What did he offer him? One of the things that he offered him, he said, if you will bow down to me because Satan wants to be worshiped, he said, if you'll bow down to me, then all of these things can be yours. And listen, it's says that the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. The Bible says the Lord shall we worship, him only shalt thou worship, amen. And he finally said, Satan, get behind me. Go away from me. Leave me alone because you can't fool Jesus about the word of God because he is the word of God, amen. The Bible says that Satan had that dominion. He lost, listen, Adam had it, but Satan deceived and got it and actually Jesus dying on the cross has redeemed all of creation, but Satan is still trying to play the part of Lamb. Lord. He's still trying to play the part as one that owns the vineyard, but he does not own the vineyard. This earth is the Lord's and he's going to do with it what he wants to do with it. And the Bible says in this picture right here, as he's holding the balances and the scales, it almost seems like Satan is having this one last week of Daniel's 70 week prophecy, this seven years of tribulation. It's almost like Brother Ricky that he's having his heyday and he's going, everything belongs to me. Everything is mine and he's trying to deceive people he's offering peace and he's bringing the government together he's bringing food crops together he's doing all this and then war sets in and what does he have he's got everything he's got everything what listen he don't have life he doesn't have salvation he's got everything you need in order to sustain life as a human on this earth and he's got a balance and dads you really need to pay attention listen up i know that you want to support your family and everything I know that you want to provide them homes. You want to provide them good vehicles. You want to provide them good schooling. You want to provide them, hopefully, before all of those things, good character and good moral. Amen? You want to do those things for them. There's going to come a time, if you're left here without Jesus Christ, you're not going to be the one in charge of providing. Neither listen, the Bible says it. It's very clear. You're not going to be the one in charge to provide. Satan and his demonic forces are going to be the one that's going to allow you to have what you have. You'll get this, and that's it. But I need more. Can I work for more? The only way you can is if you bow down and worship me. That's what Satan's going to tell them. And if you worship him and receive his mark, receive his seal, then you'll be able to live what we call here in the South High on the Hog, which is going to be actually low in the trough. It's not going to be good. The Bible says it's a diabol- it's a devilish plan, and he's ready to put this in to practice and to play. Now, the Bible teaches us the second thing is this right here. It's going to be uh, deathly unstoppable. It, it must have been clicked. It's deathly unstoppable. Church, I'm telling you, when this goes into motion, you are not going to be able to stop it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, this generation shall not pass away till all these things come to pass. The Bible says that you will not be able to stop it. 
when the tribulation period happens, you will be crying for rocks to fall on you and they will not fall. You will be asking and pleading for death. Take my life now and you won't be able to stop it. It's going to be a devilish plan, but it is going to be unstoppable. It is going to be on this earth, on the face of this earth, as though it is a wave after wave after wave of misery. Look at what the verse says in here, Revelation chapter number 6. Look at verse number 5 and 6 again. It says, And when he had opened the third seal, heard the third beast say, Come and see, and he, behold, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Look at verse 6. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. It's going to be unstoppable. He says a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. Now that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to you and I today. But if I was to tell you that all right, a measure of bread, the cost of one loaf of bread was going to be a penny. Some of you would go in America go, well, man, I got, I got that. I mean, I got that rolled up at home, you know, but it's not what it's talking about. The word penny here is the word denarii or denarius. It actually means one. And it actually, when you look at it, a denarii in the days of Jesus was about the equivalent of $3.62. It was called tribute money. When they would go and pay the tribute money, they would give them. But a worker, Brother Reggie, would work for a day's wage would be that one denarii. And they actually had Caesars that were on there. It had Tiberius, it had Augustus, it had other Caesars that would be imprinted on the front. It actually had another thing that we're going to talk about next Sunday, and we can't do that because I don't want to talk about it this Sunday. But it had those things on there, and when you would go and work, even some of us today, you know the scripture, you remember the Bible story about Jesus gave out a parable of workers in the vineyard. And it says that Brody showed up early in the morning, and he came, and when he worked, he got a day's wage, which was a penny. A day's wage would be a denarii. Then Adam showed up about nine o'clock that morning, and he worked, but he got the same amount of pay. And then Andrew showed up at about 12 o'clock that day, and then he got the pay. And then Jacob showed up at about three o'clock that day, and he got the pay. And, and then I showed up at the 11th hour, right before quitting time, and, and I got the day's pay. And, and Matt and everybody else that worked said, yep, the blister's here. You know, it, blisters always show up when the work is done, right? So I get the same pay. And Jesus used that illustration that it was a day's wage. But the Bible says in this, a day's wage was only going to be to do what? To be able to buy one loaf of bread. Really, equivalent to a loaf of bread. It says that they would only be able to buy what? In the verse number seven, right? Or verse number six, it says a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And when you look at that, the wheat that they would buy in order to produce what they were going to eat that day or the cakes that they were going to eat, the barley was not always used there, but barley was used. Anybody, anybody poor? Anybody ever grew up poor? Anybody? I mean, come on, let, let's just tell everybody. We're all right. And I'm, I'm, I didn't know I was poor until after I grew up and then somebody told me that I was. I didn't realize how poor we were or how we didn't have a whole lot. But let me say something to you. If your grandmother ever made you some meatloaf before and you cut into the meatloaf and you saw this white stuff that was moist and it was in there, that's crackers, that ain't meat. You ate that, you're poor. You didn't have a whole lot. If your grandmother or your great-grandmother ever made some hamburgers and grilled them on the grill and there was white pieces in there, that's crackers. They'd put crackers in the meatloaf and crackers in the meat to do what? We call it here in the South, stretching it out. And what that means is, is belts. Stretches out belts. They didn't have enough. Listen to me, they didn't have enough to make it last. 
There were days where we would eat soups. There were days where we wouldn't have a whole lot of biscuits on our table. There were days that my mom would make hamburger meat and gravy. Put it on toast. Military stuff. Plop that stuff down on the plate, fatten you up. Right? It would. You say, Brother Steve, would it really look at me? <laughs> Days we didn't have a whole lot. Whenever my mom and dad would call and say, we're bringing pizza home, it was party time. When my mom and dad would call when I was a young boy at eight, nine years old and say, hey, we're bringing KFC home, it was, hey, all y'all, y'all got to go home. Get all the kids that were at the house. Y'all got to go home. It was. We, you got to go home. Why? You just got my mom and dad's on their way home. Well, why do we got to go? You just got to go. <laughs> I mean, and I never tell, you never tell them we're eating Kentucky Fried Chicken or not. You know, you're growing up in a day where you go wherever you want. If you want Mexican food, you go to Taco Bell. If you want something that's similar to Mexican food, you go to Taco Bell. <laughs> you want fish, you go somewhere. You want whatever you want. Look, we are blessed. Yeah. And some of you older saints need to be testifying about this stuff. We are blessed in today. You go wherever you want. And you get, you, listen, we're spoiled. We get tired of going to the same places. Yeah. Right? But what if there was a day where you couldn't even work one day's wage to buy enough, Matt, to feed yourself, much less your wife and your three boys? To where there was not enough wheat even to mix with the barley in order to make a cake or a loaf of bread for all of them. But see, that would never happen. It's happened even in a similar way to the world Days where people could not have, they did not have anything to eat, did not have the money to buy these things. Listen, a denarius in the days of Jesus could buy eight measures of wheat and 24 measures of barley, which would have been enough for a worker and his whole family. But Brother Ronald, in the days that he's talking about in the tribulation, it says it'll buy one measure of wheat and three measures of barley. It won't be enough. It'll actually be an eighth of the normal food supply. Church, it's not going to last you know what Jesus said about it? I don't know if this thing may be working for me now, but Jesus said this, woe unto them that are with child and to those that give suck in those days. This is what the New King James describes it and shows it a little bit easier for you to understand. Woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Jesus says it's going to be such a time that the mothers that have children, listen to me, are going to be so malnourished that when they try to breastfeed their children, they're actually going to be pulling from a dry breast themselves and they're not going to have anything. Hey, mamas, can you imagine not being able to feed your child, your baby? Not being able to give the nourishment? Brother Steve, you're scaring me. Oh man, it should. It should terrify you. If you're lost, it should terrify you. Listen, the last thing is this. His judgment is going to be devastatingly unbearable. It's going to be unbearable. It's going to be unbelievable. The famine, it's going to be unstoppable. But the last one, it's going to be unbearable. It's going to be something that's so tough. The Bible says in that last verse, chapter 6, verse number 6 that I read, it says, But see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. 
Some people look at this brother, scripture, Brother Matt, and they think that don't hurt the oil and the wine because that's some kind of special symbolism around Jerusalem themselves. I look at it as understanding that if you're only going to be able, Brother Joe, to get one measure of wheat and three measures of barley, which is not going to be enough for a simple worker to sustain his own life, that also that the poor are going to become poor, but the rich that receive that mark and receive that seal, they're going to become richer. The oil and the wine will run as honey did in what? In Israel. As this milk flowing and honey flowing, Israel and the land, all the crops and all the vegetation and stuff. The Bible says during this time of tribulation, it says those that do not receive the mark and try their best to endure this horrible tribulation, which will be Jewish people, and they try their best to endure this chastisement of God. It says that as they become poor and more famine and more malnourished, it says that, Brother Craig, the, the rich, the oil and the wine, they're going to continue to be fat and high on the hog and living good. Do you know what that will do for morale? It's devastating. It's destructive to watch people feast and eat while you don't have enough. So, Brother Steve, what do you think it would be like? I think it would be like the story that Jesus told us about a rich man that fared sumptuously every day that he had all kinds of goods, but there was a beggar that was full of sores that laid outside of his gate begging for food every day and the crumbs that would fall from the rich man's table. It means that while you're on earth, you may get actually what you want because if you bow down to Satan and the Antichrist during those times, you'll be able to receive anything you want because you've received his seal and his mark. You can go into the stores. You can have all of these things. You'll be able to have all of the treatment medically. You'll do all of these things. But if you think, I'm going to endure it, Brother Steve, I'm going to wait and I'm going to endure it, and you think you're a tough old bird, you're not. You're not. It says that they are going to become more devastatingly poor, and it's going to be unbearable. Do you know that in 1315 to 1317, there was something that was called the Great Famine that hit Europe. Their crops, thousands and thousands of people died. Their bodies were malnourished, but that wasn't the worst of it. That was not the worst of it. No, what happened in 1347 to 1353 was the worst because of their malnourishment. I read an article today by Harvard. It's called the Harvard Gazette, and a guy wrote an article about this very thing. Because of their malnourishment in 1347 to 1353, there was something that swept through the land of Europe, and it was called Black Death, the Black Plague. It rode on the backs of rats and rodents and ships. It was in fleas, and when fleas would bite the people, people would be infected. Their armpits and lymph nodes in their armpits would swell up in their growing area. They would turn black. They would ooze with blood and pus. It was a horrible, disgusting, nasty disease. And as I read the article, I was reminded that, listen, when the famine came in first, people were malnourished, and that allowed pestilence and disease to come in. And it overtook Europe. It swept through in 13 ships that arrived into the ports there, and it traveled trade routes. It went through everything that could. That They estimate over 50 million people died during that time, and that was 60% of Europe's population. Swept through. And you know what it's talking about? That it was almost a third to half of all of their population that was destroyed. Brother Steve, that would never happen. You know, that wasn't very many years ago. It was before you and me. But in our history books, it wasn't that very long ago. Listen, when this famine horse comes in and has control over this and people become malnourished, disease will be everywhere. 
it is going to be devastating. Listen to me. Satan doesn't want to just kill you. If he wants to kill you, he'd just take you out. That's not what he's intending. That's not what he desires to do. He wants to destroy you. The thief cometh not but to kill, steal. What's the last one? Destroy. He wants to stomp on you so much that he destroys everything about you. You'll be left with the decision. You're left with the decision today, but you'll be left with the decision. Do I eat this loaf of bread in order to sustain my life so that I can work tomorrow only to buy another loaf of bread? Or do I cut this bread up and I give it to Cody and Brody and Haley? Do I divide it up with them? We cannot receive the mark of the beast. We cannot do that. No, we cannot do that. These Jewish people are going to go through a horrible time. Church, as if they hadn't suffered enough in Holocaust, this is going to be horrible. A horrible time. And you sat in church and you say, I'm good. I'm good. Brother Steve, what should we learn about all this? You should learn what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus says today, if you're hungry, come to me. Brother Adam, he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. He says, if you're hungry and thirsty now for righteousness, he said, oh, you'll be filled. There'll come a day where you'll be hungry and thirsty and not be able to be filled. If you're left in this tribulation period, you will hunger and thirst and never have satisfaction for it. But in this, he says, you come now. If you're hungry and thirsty, come now. I want to read this to you, Andrew. Come on, son. I want to read this scripture to you. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 55, verse number one says. You say, you ask this question, Brother Steve, what do I do today? What, what should I do right now? He says, listen, ho, everyone that thirsteth. He's saying, listen, pay attention. Hello, pay attention. He says, everyone that thirsteth. He says, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye and buy and eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money. Stop right there. And without price. Today, he says, come. Right now, he says, if you're hungry, he said, come on. He says, look, even in that scripture, and if you don't have money, it's okay, I'll pay for it. Listen, Satan's going to say, you don't have it. You don't have the money. Your family doesn't eat. Your family doesn't eat. Hey, there's not a mama in here that doesn't want their kids to eat. There's not a mama in here that's probably slid some stuff off of their plate or in their mind not getting some of the food on the plates so that their kids would eat a little more, right? There's not a dad in here that would want their kids to go without eating. Jesus says, now, listen, this is the good part. He says, you're hungry? He said, come. He said, you can have bread and you don't even have to have money. He said, listen, you can come and buy and eat. How can you buy? You put it on his bill. Amen. It's going to be on his bill. He said, how can you buy? If you don't have money, how can you get it? That scripture doesn't make sense. Everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. How can you buy something if you ain't got no money? I know that ain't proper English, but how can you buy something if you ain't got no money? Huh? Because the one that's running this stand is willing to give you something to eat. Amen. 
And you don't have to have money. The Bible says, come, buy wine and milk. He's saying, no, not only just bread and water, you can have the best. You can have all the riches that you want. You can buy it now. Look at what it says, without price. Look at verse 2. He says, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which satisfieth not? He says, hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness, which should be the Baptist scripture. <laughs> Amen. Let your soul delight in fatness. Talking about being with grace, spiritually filled up. Look at verse 3. Incline your ear. How do you get it? Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. But look at verse 5. He says, Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Verse 6 and 7 says this, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You see those two things? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Brother Steve, can he be found today? Yes. Can he be found tomorrow? Maybe not. If the rapture happens today and right now, you got to call on him now. Why? Because the Bible says he's near. Listen to this last verse. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. Look at these words right here. Man, if there's ever, ever something you need to pay attention to and listen to, it's this. He says, and he will have mercy upon him. God's not ready to take his belt off and whip you and chastise you. No, he wants you to come. And he says, and when you do come, he will have mercy on you. He says, and to our God, listen, and he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. Amen. That means he has enough of forgiveness, enough of mercy, enough of grace. But it's today. It's today. You got to do it now. As we close this morning, I, I, I want to try to help you understand something. Years ago, we used to go to the boat show in Birmingham. You remember those guys and ladies that would set up in little booths as you would walk through the boat show and they were trying to sell stuff. They were trying to sell you fishing lures or some insurance. I always used to love to go because they always had that guy there, Jason, that had the, the Ginsu knives. Anybody remember the, the you know, it could chop, slice, dice in all three ways, and it could cut through aluminum cans and then slice a tomato, you know? All of that stuff. And I'll never forget, man, that guy would just promote it. He'd play it up. He would talk about how you could not only get this knife, but you, it was like you get this knife for $19, but you get 31 others for free. And you were sitting there going, man, that's, that just doesn't make sense. That one's 20 bucks. And the rest of them are free. You know, that's a great deal. But they always ended with this. But you've got to buy today. You remember that? Yeah. Now, you can't get this. This is only a boat show special. It is a today only special. You know what that meant is that it's going to go back to the original price if you got it somewhere else. Listen, my mind works in that way. And I know it's crazy and kooky sometimes. But right now, this heartbeat, this breath, it's being offered. But your heartbeat or breath could be taken and stolen from you 
by the one that can destroy life. But not the soul, but life. And the deal is over. Brother Steve, why would God do that? No, no, no. Why would you do that? Why would God not give me the deal tomorrow? No, why would you do that? Today is the day of salvation. Come now. Let us reason together. Come now. Why? Call upon him while he is near, while he may be found. What does that mean, while he may be found? The Holy Spirit of God's in this place this morning. The Holy Spirit of God is saying, I love you. Come to the Lord. Come and serve the Lord God, the Father, through Jesus Christ, the Son. Come, come. And he's saying it over and over. But this is it. If we don't have tomorrow, today is it. You may not ever have another boat show. Today's the day. Come today while he says, I'm offering grace. I'm extending it to you. Church.